from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. George Camel, Ramsey personality, host of the George Camel Show, very popular on YouTube, is my co-host today. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Very important day for Mr. George Camel and all of us here at Ramsey in that this is the last day you can get the deal on his brand new book, Breaking Free from Broke, because tomorrow is launch day. Woo! Here we go, baby. It's here. Game on. Yeah, and tomorrow's the Super Bowl, and today is the warm-up. If you guys want the deal, though, this is your Super Bowl because the book Breaking Free from Broke, The Ultimate Guide to More Money and Less Stress, absolutely incredible new book, uh, comes out tomorrow. What that means for you, if you're listening and hear this before Tuesday the 16th, uh, up until midnight on uh, the 15th, you can get the book and a whole bunch of goodies. Oh, yeah. You get instant access to my talk, Show Me the Money. It's a video talk. We have an online private event happening next week with a Q&A. And this is the big one, the enhanced audiobook. You get completely for free with all the sound design and custom music. And it's the team did an amazing job. It's a very cool audiobook. Very cool. And that's totally free when you pre-order the hardcover. And, of course, the ebook as well for you digital readers out there. And no matter when you buy the book, you also get three months of every dollar premium. So I wanted people to have an actionable plan when they walk away and not just, huh, good book. I want you to actually go live out the principles and take control of your money and choose hope instead of cynicism this year as we head into an election, Dave. Ooh, that's hard to do in that, in, that, in that setting. But anyway, so the deal is that you have done some in-depth, detailed research on the scams and schemes of the people that want to take your money from you boys and girls out there. And George exposes the mythology and and the villains in the marketplace. Absolutely. This the first two thirds of the book unpacks the system designed to keep you broke. And I talk about credit scores and credit cards, which I believe are the gateway drug into all the other types of debt. I cover car loans and uh, student loans and mortgage traps and investing traps and marketing and consumerism, which just exacerbates the whole problem. And I think once you get through of that, you're, you're going to want to take a shower. You're going to have enough ick that you go, okay, I need to opt out of this. I do need to I'm break free this. from this kind of broke. It's I call them chains because I think most Americans, they're, they work too hard to feel this broke. They're feeling the chains of payments in this world. They feel like they're on the hamster in the wheel, rat in the maze, an Uber ride from hell, and they just want something different. And I think this book is going to help you live counterculturally and give you hope that you can break free from those chains and have freedom with your money. So you'll get the knowledge, you'll get the confidence to break free, and uh, all of the evidence is there with great detail. And you, you guys that are a little bit nerdy and like the research, uh, George is a consumer advocate at heart, and he can't resist uh, digging up the dirt and proving to you how you're being screwed. There's 130 sources in this book. It was exhausting to do all the research, but I had to prove it. Not just my opinion and our experience of you know you doing the show for 30 years, but actual data from you know the Federal Reserve and from MIT proving our plan works. So, brand new book out on the 16th of January. If you hear this before then, up until midnight on the 15th, you can get the new book, Breaking Free from Broke, and instant access to Georgia's newest talk, Show Me the Money, exclusive access to an online private event next week, uh, a Q&A with George, the enhanced audio book. And uh, so what we decided to do was take all of our audio books from this point forward 
and put a little jazz to them, make them a little better, make wow. them a little, make them a little, start, little sound effects, some sounders coming in and out, rather than just us reading the book. Which That's is why I was the done. guinea pig for this. Yeah, you were, the, you were the first one out. I don't know if we're going to want to be called a guinea pig or not, but yeah, but anyway, you were the first one. Well, you were a pioneer, George. Well, it's because, you know, I've hosted our podcast, Borrowed Future, The Fine Print, and I've always loved that kind of narrative storytelling style that has some of those elements in it. And I even did some custom music, Dave. The intro and outro for each chapter is actually my my playing. Even James, producer James, got in there. He played oh, one of them. So that's a little Easter egg for you guys. Oh, there you go. I, Unless I, you I'm, hated the music, in which case it wasn't me, Dave. I, well, and, and, until I see the bill for the royalties, yeah. But oh, my gosh. Go. I, don't worry, Dave. <laughs> that, that part is zero. <laughs> I like it. Breaking free from broke. Check it out at RamseySolutions.com slash store. And, uh, again, you get $100 worth of free bonus items if you get started on it early. We talked about this in our uh, wildly successful uh, live stream last week. Uh, thank you guys. There were 419,000 of you signed wow. up literally to come aboard. Not all of you came, but you signed up to come and, uh, hundreds of thousands of you did. And it was by far the biggest live stream Ramsey has ever done. Uh, it was number one on YouTube that night of anything. Wow. Yeah. We blew YouTube up. Uh, we just about broke the internet with a number of people signing on our site to get onto every dollar and saying, hey, I'm going to break the cycle, which is what that's for. We're breaking a lot of stuff. We're breaking free from broke. We're breaking the cycle. I and, think it's time. But you, you talked a little bit about some of this for your section uh, on that live stream last week, and uh, the feedback in the uh, comments was really excellent. I mean, people are hungry to not be stuck anymore. Yeah, and I wanted to lead with empathy and go, listen, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of finger you know, pointing we can do, a lot of things to blame this year as to why we're not going to get ahead and why we have you to You even blamed the baby boomers. Even the boomers. I did not boomers. really appreciate that. Well, here's the, it wasn't me blaming. It was here's what I'm seeing out there. Oh, you know, okay. People all, like you. Gen Z millennials are going, the boomers ruin the housing market, Dave. This is why I can't afford a house. And my dad is saying, oh, shut up. You can do it. You paid $13,000, which, by the way, I've, I've never lived in a house that I paid thirteen thousand dollars for. I actually did buy one in the hood one time. For oh that. gosh. But but it was not a it was, not, it was not a home that I lived in. Not not quite Chip and Joanna. Nope, nope. Not before or after. But oh, anyway, the uh yeah the but yeah, so we were in the housing market for sure, buying our our homes for a, a mere two hundred thousand dollars or exactly. a mere whatever. And then um actually the home before last I paid three fifty three for it's worth about a million. Wow. So we know, I mean, the appreciation of the housing market is real. And uh, Daniel and Rachel were, that Rachel was 10 years old. Wow. When I bought that. So that, that's a classic boomer story, but it's not 13,000, no. you goobers. But it's just one of the things, Dave, you know, that we I talked about the Fed and Congress and the president and inflation. There's a lot of things you can blame it on. Yeah, and exactly. There's plenty the of, of day, villains out there. The only person who can fix it is you. And the more we rely and complain, the less we're going to make progress. And so that was one piece of that talk I did. And I unpack more in the book. But the other piece is we all sort of fell into this trap. I, I tell people it's not all of your fault, but it's your responsibility. You weren't taught financial literacy. You were told the path to upward mobility is to take out unlimited student loans. And you got to have a nice car. And then you got to get a house because renting is a sin and a waste of money. And we all just followed down this path and realized that instead of the American dream, we got delivered the American nightmare. Yep. And so I led with all, with all of that empathy to go, I understand and I'm sorry, but I'm going to show you a way out in spite of all of that. And that was the heart behind this book. There we go. Breaking Free from Broke comes out tomorrow. So order it by midnight tonight. This is 
January the 15th that we're recording this. So January 16th is launch day. We would love to have you purchase this. Go to RamseySolutions.com. You're going to love it. Go to the store and get $100 worth of free goodies with the book for only $20. Breaking Free from Broke by George Camel. Congratulations, George. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you publishing it. I've recommended Simply Safe Home Security for years, and over that time, they've just gotten better and better while remaining an amazing value. Their monitoring costs less than a dollar a day. Plus, unlike traditional home security providers, Simply Safe has no contract and no hidden fees. So don't wait to protect your home. Visit simplysafedirect.com right now and get a special 20% off. Simplysafedirect.com. There is no safe like Simply Safe. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. We're so glad you're here. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Christopher is with us in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Christopher. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Dave, I am a fellow believer, so you are brother Dave to me. It is an honor to be on your show today, man. Oh, we're honored to have you, sir. How can we help? All right. I'm 28, married with two under two. I work for a church making 43000 a year take home. We are nearly done with baby step three, and we have enough for our bills, but things are tight. I have a friend and mentor twice my age who is a successful businessman. He knows our financial situation and offered me a business opportunity that he has proved with someone else. He suggested trying it independently or taking a $10,000 investment from him for faster growth with, of course, a share in profits. I hesitated because of our close relationship, seeing it as a personal loan, and the thought of trying to work hard and fast to make back his investment caused me great anxiety. When I expressed interest in starting the business without taking his money because of viewing as a personal loan, he got very upset, claiming that it was a weak excuse for not wanting to admit that I could make more money on my own. He acted like I was trying to pull one over on him um, and that he was going to call my bluff but my heart truly did prioritize the relationship over potential business gains. So my question is, was I wrong to view the investment as debt? Did I miss out on an opportunity or did I do the right (laughs) thing following my gut and not adding anxiety in my life? Is this just a conflict of different ways to view money? No, this is a butthole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what kind of guy is a mentor? Yeah. And then sets you up to take to get you into something he wants you into, and then is mad because you won't do it. That's not a mentor. Mm-mm. He violated mentor ethics. That's right. That's a manipulator. Oh, wow. That's what that is. That's okay. a manipulative move. Yeah, big the, time. The relationship, wow. by the way, isn't anywhere near what you think it is. And let me just say, as a guy who I have still have older mentors in my life, and I talk with them regularly – a true mentor, as Dave said, would never react that way. That relationship isn't anywhere near what you think it is. And I hate to to tell you that, but you need to be aware of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would take his name off the mentor plaque. Yeah. He gets the, the mentor plaque beside his name. We have to take that plaque down. I like that. We have to put up a different <laughs> plaque that just says, uh, guy who wants money plaque. Yeah. Um, no, that's not – I mean – a mentor wants your best interest at heart and has absolutely zero conflict on their part. Mm-hmm. And so he was way too emotionally and otherwise invested in you doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, you know, if, I, if I'm mentoring someone, which I don't do very often for this exact reason, but uh, and I, I say, hey, go do this, and they don't go do it, they don't get anything from me 
But the next time I get ready to tell them something, I might hesitate. But I'm not going to go, I told you not to do that. You know, um, if they come back and go, you told me not to do that and I screwed this up. Okay. Learning experience. That's fine. But I'm not, you know, I don't have to search someone down and defend my ego when I'm in the mentor seat. That's, that's wild, man. It's kind of heartbreaking. Because you, you, you know, yeah, you really was, depended on this really guy. It was really deflating. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really deflating, and it seems like a really good it's opportunity. It's like your dad talking down to you. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like your dad yelling at you when you're a grown man. I mean, it's like, golly, that don't work. You know, you're confused about that, too. <laughs> I don't know, Ken. I mean, you, huh. Yeah, I, I would say that a mentor needs nothing from you and should never need anything from you. Uh, other than if you know uh, they call and it's relational, hey, pray for me or something like that. But this is this is a manipulator. The reaction really disgusts me. If I'm being honest, uh, it's almost like he's a little desperate. It, it's it rings of some desperateness if he's trying to shove ten grand down your throat so that he can make a profit. Something about it is yeah. We're gonna share in the profits, and I'm gonna put you to work over here. Yeah, it's something's off. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's that's wrong. All right, Brian's in Salt Lake City. Hey, Brian, how are you? Doing great, Dave. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So, question, I, I followed you for, for years, um, but uh, I, I am in a situation where I'm starting again, um, and it is uh, a little bit of a shame around student loans. So I'm 49 years old, and I've got about $20,000 student loans and I've been paying for about 19 years. What do you mean by and starting again? I have used your program um, and, and had success, but I always counted myself as debt-free, not including my home and not including my student loans. So you so, used your program that and said it was mine. Okay. Well, yes. Okay. But I, I get motivated and then I don't. And I, I tried to just like ignore that this is out there. Okay. And, um, and obviously I, you're calling cause that's not working. Yeah. I'm anxious about it. And I, yeah. uh, I, I'd love to know kind of what your thoughts are. I, I know that there are some programs out there around like forgiveness. If you've been paying for what's your household income, years. Brian, I make about $90,000 a year. Okay. Mm. The program is cut your lifestyle and pay this off in 12 months. That's the program. Live on seventy thousand, minus taxes, and pay this off in one year. That's about eighteen hundred dollars a month, and that means you're not going out to eat, and it means you're not going on vacation, and it means you're not doing half the other crap you've been doing with your ninety thousand dollars, and you're going to finally address this head on. That's the program. Quit looking for a shortcut, man. It's not work for you. You're going to have to hit it right straight in the nose. Hit the bully in the nose. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I mean, it's very uh, doable. You got no other debt but this, right? In the house. I I, I own my car. Oh, okay. But, so we yeah. went back to that too. Okay. So how much? What's how much do you owe on your car? About fifteen. Okay, well, that's not too bad. All right. So thirty-five thousand out of ninety. So we're debt-free in under two years. Can we agree you could come up with seventeen five a year for two years, please? Please tell yeah. me you can do fifteen hundred a month, or you'll yeah, figure out a way to cut you. everything out. But I mean, that's what you got to do. It's you. You've been trying to find a way to not do this, and it still go away. 
and and the problem with the whole thing is there's only really one solution and it's it's its name is not joe biden mm, i mean yeah. there's only one solution and it, it, its name is brian because uh, i'm not going to pay it off you are brian yeah. do you have any margin in your budget at the end of the month yeah how much I, I, I haven't been good at budgeting, but I'm I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself living paycheck to paycheck. I have a, a little bit of savings. Give me a round uh, number. A given month, I understand you have been disciplined, but what's a round number each month that that you know you've got margin on? I'm not sure if I fully understand your question. Ken, right, but do you I'm, have a thousand dollars? Can you scrape bills? together in your mind right now a month to throw at this? Uh, I could, I could, I could come up with, I think, between seven hundred and a thousand dollars a month. Okay. To throw All right. And then when you start doing your budget, you're going to get that to fifteen hundred. Yep. And you're going to be done in under two years. And that doesn't include you going out and making some extra money. A guy who makes ninety thousand's got some skill set. This is about absolute. You talked about motivation. I get motivated, and then I lose motivation. And you know, motivation is is really about a, an end result. It's it's a it's a real clear focus on a result that I want, and then the actions take place naturally. That's what real motivation is. What's my motive for getting up early or eating right or saving money? What's the motive? And that's the end result. You've got to start looking at the end result, and no anxiety over this debt anymore. You mentioned that. Uh, all the other things. If you get clearly focused on that, Dave, yeah. then the actions take care of themselves. Here's the way I look at it. Sometimes when I'm looking at this stuff, if I'm going, because ah, I do that, to, I do that too. I guess we all do. We all do. I go, yeah. If someone that I dearly loved, one of my grandchildren's life depended on it, could I? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a clear motive. I mean, you know, <laughs> and so it's not a it's not a question of could I. It's a question of will I. Yeah, that's right. That's what it comes down to. This is the Ramsey Show. You worked hard for your home. It should be a place where you can relax and refocus on your goals. And something as simple as window treatments can make the difference. If you're ready for an upgrade, we've recommended Blinds.com for years, and I've used them myself. That's because with Blinds.com, you don't have to sacrifice your budget, your style, or great service. From blinds, drapes, and shutters to motorized shades, they make it easy and affordable to upgrade your entire home. And they're designed design experts are always ready to help even with measuring and installation plus there are never any misleading quotes or hidden fees everything is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee and shipping is always free see for yourself why blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings visit blinds.com now to learn more and get up to 45% off that's blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply Ken Coleman Ramsey personality is my co-host. Al is in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Hey, Al, how are you? Doing okay, Al. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. And just just to let you know, I am a long, long time listener, and this is my first time ever to call. Well, we're honored. How can we help you today, sir? I'm honored too. So, okay. So, question is: This is about uh, paying off mortgage versus leaving the money. In investment, 
Mm-hmm. The mortgage is about 188000 mm-hmm. at a 3.375 interest. Mm-hmm. We owe about 26 more years on it, mm-hmm. and I am 65 years. Well, I'll be 65 in May. Mm-hmm. The investments are roughly 600000 making about anywhere from, say, 6 to 8%. Mm-hmm. a whole bunch of mutual funds based on what you told me over the years. Mm-hmm. So that's my question really is, do I go ahead and pay off the mortgage, which would then bring the investments down after paying taxes in the range of say 360? Yeah, what do you say? About 400. Yeah. Um, well, the way I do these things is I reverse engineer it. And then I fe- see how that feels. Let's pretend that you had a debt-free house and okay. $400,000 in investments. Okay. Would you go borrow $188,000 at set interest rate to put more in your investments? Hmm. I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> that wakes me up when I look at it that way. And all that is is the exact same thing, but backwards, right? Right, right. So uh, the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is if you told me you had 600 left over or 800 left over, I'd go in a heartbeat, go do it. 400 is kind of like, eh, uh-huh. uh, it's, a, it's a lot, and you've done really well, but you're going to have to be careful to not, you know, go, go on a spending spree or something, which I don't think you're going to do. It doesn't sound like you. No, no. And and I agree with you that 400 would be on that edge because yeah. I've ran the retirement calculators, including yeah. yours, mm-hmm. and it puts me on the edge. Yeah. It, with no house payment, I mean, I always use just at, on the high side, 8% of the nest egg. Um, and so, you know, that's what, 20, what was that come out? Uh, $32,000 a year, right? Yep. Or 320,000. Yeah. 32,000 a year. So, you know, you got 2,500 bucks a month coming in plus social security. Do you have any other money coming in? Uh, as a revenue stream? No. Okay. We together, we bring in about 118 gross uh, per year right now. Working. You're still working. Yes. I'm still yeah. working. Yeah. Okay. All right. But I mean, if you retired, you'd be on eight percent of that max of your nest egg with no payments in the world plus social security right, right? so you'd Correct. have you'd have about half what you got now coming in but you'd have no house payment and you'd not be and you but but and of course the longer you work the more we change that 400 that does change the equation that's correct yeah you know plus it'll change the social security yeah yeah now not enough to worry about i wouldn't keep working for that but uh, I no. I like working because I like accomplishing things. I like helping people. I, I like the sense of uh, traction that it gives me, and I don't mind making money. I like doing that too. So, uh, as long as you're doing that, I think I'd keep going and I'd pay it off today. Yeah. I, I mean, there's something to be said to not retire. It, yeah. Everybody thinks you have to retire. You don't have to retire. No, in fact, you know. Retirement can look however you want it to. You want to work twenty hours a week, twenty five hours a week, doing something that keeps you mentally and, and emotionally. And I'm not active. talking about wood shop. No, you don't have to. Start talking about go do something in your career yes. field in your discipline where you make yeah. some bank. Yeah, and you're doing. I mean, something you might you enjoy. do business coaching and make more in twenty hours than you're making now. Right. Yeah. I mean something high. 
with a high level of sophistication. I mean, when sometimes people say, you know, I'm going to be a fishing guy. That's not what I'm talking about. No, listen, I just read an article last week that hiring managers with the wave of Gen Z coming into the workforce, they are actively trying to hire older people. The ageism that has been in existence for a while is dissipating. If you're in your 60s, you got some skill and experience. You're a great locker room presence for hiring managers. They'll hire you now. So to your point, you can stay active longer and work and do really well because companies are looking for that older, seasoned veteran, if you want to use that football analogy or basketball analogy. I have not heard that, but I've got an instant theory that pops into my head. What's your thought? Well, the thing that I'm hearing all over the place in the leadership circles that I'm running in and where I'm doing entree leadership stuff is Mm -hmm. that Gen Z is highly skilled in their disciplines, but a lot of them have soft skill problems with relational skills. That's correct. And putting that, putting that old dog in there, that's, uh, that's very relational, almost to mentor and train just by their mere presence seems to make a lot of sense. It does. And it also squares with the data that Gen Z over, I want to say about 52% of Gen Z report saying they want to actually work in the office because they want to be mentored. Keep in mind, one of the effects of this generation of the helicopter parents, Gen X and millennial parents, is that these kids have been guided in helicopter to the point that now when they get in the real world, they actually are craving the good ones with character, not the ones we see on TikTok. They're craving some older mentorship in the office. They want that older guy. The, t- the tough old coach. They do. Someone they feel safe with. Hey, this old guy is going to take care of me and show me the road. He loves me, but he's going to bust me. Yeah. yeah. But they feel security in that someone's going to show me what to do. So there are some benefits. My point here to our greater audience is don't assume that your value drops in your 60s. The data says otherwise. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. And certainly that's true for Al. We don't. We didn't stay with Al long enough to find out what his actual career is. But right. But uh, he's obviously making some money. Six figures coming into the house. So. And I was also going to ask you, depending on how how much his house house is worth, does that change your advice there no. on that? No, because no. here's the thing: the the largest line item, folks, in your budget at in, in any time in your life, the, the most expensive item in your budget is housing. Mm-hmm. Your biggest expense, even if your house is paid for. It's still your biggest expense with taxes, insurance, and maintenance, right? Uh, so it's still housing is your biggest expense. When you can do away with the payment part of that expense, it stabilizes your golden years. It's, I mean, when you go from 60 to 90, that 30-year period of time with no house payment, with that kind of stability, it changes your emotional state. And therefore, it, it actually affects your health. Mm-hmm. Because you're not, as Dr. John Loney says, you're not carrying around that stress between your shoulder blades, mm-hmm. uh, which debt is, stress between your shoulder blades. Whether you re- actually remember it's there or not, you don't. Right. And <laughs> I like that. And this is safe money, too, because as they get older, maybe they need to go into some assisted care. That house is sitting there. That's money waiting for them to cash out. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it just, it, it, is one of the two things that we see with the people that have the first one to five million dollars of of net worth. Your first million dollars up to your first five million is a paid for house mm-hmm. and a big old four hundred one k. And he's got both. Yep. Now, yep. or he's about to have both if yep. he does that. So Al's done a really good job. Yeah. He's in the top probably four or five percent of Americans financially in his situation. He's done an excellent work. Um, and even at that, we're saying, oh. I wish it was a little bit more. Sure. You know, but he's making a hundred a year. So you thought you start throwing 
load that 401k up, load the IRAs up, anything else you can load up for the next and work three more years, four more years. Yeah. That, that all of a sudden, then that becomes a no brainer, mm-hmm. right? That I changes agree. everything. If you had to retire today on that, that's when it kind of gives yeah. you, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a breath there. Right. Pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, isn't that a wonderful thing though, that that guy has been listening all those years wow. to us and has gone and done the stuff and is in really, really good shape. Congratulations, sir. Very proud of you. Very, very, very well done. And, um, you know, you, folks, you just don't want to get to retirement, and the only thing you have is the government, which is well known for its ability to handle money, is going to take care of me. That's a pretty dumb idea. That's the definition of insanity. This is The Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best selling author of the book Paycheck to Purpose, is my co host today. Thank you for joining us, America. Josh and Claire are with us in Des Moines, Iowa. Hi, guys. How are you? We are good. Cool. How can we help? Um, well, we had a question if we should sell our house and move in rent or if we should stay put. And the reason we're asking is because we have some debt and we both drive about 40 minutes um, each way to our jobs. Which wasn't how it was when we bought the house originally. Okay. All right. Uh, how much debt do you have? Um, combined without the house is about a hundred thousand. On what? Um, eighty-six thousand uh, on student loans, about ten thousand on a car. Um, yeah, and that's that's it. What's your household income? Uh, about ninety thousand a year. Okay. Cool. All right. And uh, what's the house worth? Um, to about two hundred. What do you owe on it? Say that again. What do you owe on it? Uh, about one hundred and seventy-five thousand. Okay, so by the time you sell it, you don't have much equity, if any. No. Okay, so it doesn't really pay off any debt. It just gets rid of the house, and you move closer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not it doesn't it doesn't pay off of hundred thousand dollars in debt, right? Am I missing something? So no, what, we're just wondering. It, you just want to move closer um, to work. Like, well, that and the cost of renting versus paying the mortgage—is it worth to be closer to work? Well, that's what I want to know. A little bit. So, what's the difference? Give us the difference between what rent would be if you move closer versus your current mortgage. Our current mortgage is about fifteen hundred, uh-huh. um, and rent will be about fifteen to seventeen hundred. Okay, All right. so let's pretend it's fifteen hundred. All you did was just trade a mortgage payment for a for, for a house payment, but you got uh, considerable blocks of time back, mm-hmm. which I would then use to make extra money and work more mm-hmm. and get this debt paid off. That would be the goal. I think just doing that and spinning your wheels, I would not do. Okay. We also um, just had a baby boy about three months ago. Congratulations. So figure, thanks. So we're still trying to figure that out, too. Yeah, well, you're not sleeping now, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I want to know what Claire thinks. Claire, would, if all things were equal, would you rather be closer to where you work 
or, or is it easier to change jobs as opposed to change the house situation? I, I know you guys have thought yeah, through so, this. Yeah. So the um, original thought was that when we bought the house, I was like 15 minutes from my job and Josh was like 40 minutes from his, which we knew was a sacrifice being in the Metro. Mm-hmm. We knew somebody would have to drive. Um, but right now, um, Josh just finished his master's um, in educational leadership. And so we're not even really sure how long we're going to stay in Des Moines, but it feels like he leaves at 6.30 and doesn't get home until 5.30. I'm an occupational therapist, so I'm my schedule is just flexible everywhere. And so it feels like, yeah, the time, it's hard to figure out, like, is it worth the same cost and the effort to sell a house to, versus rent? But, like, we would get some time back. And especially with a newborn, it feels like time is more important than everything right now. So, yeah, I don't know. We're just trying to balance that out. Well, what's your gut telling you? Before we weighed in, where were you leaning? I was leaning towards selling to get time back, but I—that's the call I would make. From- <laughs> so, as a parent, yeah. I'm thinking through that, and I'm also thinking about the fact that with Hubs here, Josh getting the masters, we don't know we're going to be in Des Moines long term. I like the flexibility, and it looks like the rent is a wash. Basically, you said it's about two hundred dollars, maybe difference, and to get that time back, Dave said, as Dave said, we got that time to hustle a little bit, pay some debt. But I think yeah, renting right. at this point gives us options if we're moving. I, I kind of like that right. as a, as a, a bridge. It was, what do you think, Dave? Is that I feel like options right now are better since they don't know they're there long term. Yes, um, I. What my fear is, and I, you just if I were, I always try to figure out. If it's me and Sharon doing something, I'm like, how can we screw this up? <laughs> right. Yeah. And we go, okay, if we don't, if we do this part of that, then it's bad. And if we do the whole thing, then it's good, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And so we have to, we all, sometimes we even write that down at our house. You know, we like type it out and go, this is the whole plan, okay? Simply moving and getting time back and becoming a renter, no, not a good trade if that's all you do. But if there's a move, out of town and up on his career in the future, good play. If there's, uh, a, you take some of the time you've redeemed for the newborn and some of the time to make some money and clear up this $100,000 in debt, good play. Because uh, you've got the flexibility. I mean, if Josh is going to be home more, maybe Claire picks up more hours on some nights and maybe Josh picks up some stuff Saturday mornings um, and he continues to look for a different permanent solution with his master's, it's a much higher paying thing as well. So all of that to say three years from today as a result of this and some extra hustle and maybe a move, I want you guys debt free and owning a house. Yeah. It can't be you get over there and you go, well, we've got a lot of time with the little boy now, and we are renters for the next 10 years because we spin our wheels. No, 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 no. That would be a yeah, bad plan. I agree. And that's that's how I could screw it up if I were in your shoes. Because So you got to be careful because what's driving this is the newborn. And um, if the newborn gets all of this, uh, not going to be good for the newborn's long term. Mm-hmm. Not going to be good for anybody's long term if he gets all of the, the, the juice from this move. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, um, a similar thing, but dissimilar, but similar Sharon and I sold our home and, but we had made about three different changes at the same time. We had our children in a private school. We were, they were 45 minutes away. So an hour and a half each way, 45 or 45 back twice a day to go get them and pick them up. So we got rid of that. We got rid of the private school because we moved into a count, this county, which is the number one county for education in the state, and we moved into that county, and uh, and we rented. 
and we sold the house and we cleaned up a little bit of last little bit of debt that survived the bankruptcy some IRS stuff. Mm-hmm. So we cleaned up debt. We got rid of the commute. We uh, got rid of the private school. And all three of those things, so that we could rent for two years, so that we could move up. And that was a move we made almost thirty years ago. So that was a good move. But if we had just consumed the difference in time mm-hmm. and consumed the difference in money and stayed a renter, that would not have been a good move. You see, well, that that's makes sense. But we talked about those exact things at that's that right. exact time, yeah. very clearly. It's real. I mean, stuck in my head. And you could ask Sharon Ramsey to this day. She hated that freaking rental house. She hated that kitchen. Mm-hmm. She can describe that kitchen with anger in her eyes to this day. <laughs> She wanted out of there, yeah. which is great. It's a great that was all for I did. you. We were not supposed to be there for a while, but for a little bit. It was camping. Right. So chill out. It's camping. It's a camp stove. Leave the stove alone. <laughs> right. So it's a rental house, for God's sakes. You know, that kind of stuff. So, that, But that's the kind of stuff you want to fight against, Josh and Claire. Yeah. You guys are awesome. You're awesome parents. You're obviously thinkers. You're, and you're working together to make these decisions. All of these things say you're going to make the right decision. Yeah, and I, I think you sell it and move. I do too, and I, I echo everything Dave said, Josh and Claire. Here's what I'd like you all to do. I think you have to have a dream conversation yep. tonight about what Josh's next move or moves could be, and let's figure that out. That will determine the rest of this. And that's what Dave just laid out so beautifully. Like, where are we headed? What's the 20-year, 25-year play? And what's the next move? And if a move out of Des Moines for Josh is the next right move, then everything else falls in place. So make that decision first. The baby's fine. Baby has no concept of time. You're tired. I get it. Your heart hurts. You want to be with him. You can hang on a little bit longer. There's nothing cuter than a brand new baby. No. And so you got to make that big decision first. John Maxwell, our friend, once said, make the big decisions early and manage them for years. This is one of those decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the big big rocks in the glass first, then the next little, then they put the sand in last, it'll hold a lot more. That's right. Put the big rocks in. Yeah. That old old analogy or metaphor that people use. It's a good, good uh, object lesson for the youth group, right? Yeah, it is. It is. This is the Ramsey Show.